you're listening to Birds, Bees, and Teas, a sexuality education and storytelling podcast hosted by yours truly, Miss Nia Angie Africana Sutton. Welcome back, teasers, to another episode of Birds, Beats, and Teas, your favorite sexuality education and storytelling platform for grown folks. And y'all know we talk about all the things on here. We are here to learn and unlearn and relearn and all the good things. So um, as y'all know, or if you don't know, you should know that April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And it is important that we talk about this topic in the ways that um, our primary audience of listeners, Black women, um, have experienced sexual assault and what it means for how we experience dating and intimacy and love and relationships and sex, um, and also like what we can do better so that the generations coming behind us um, experience um, these things differently as well. So yes, that is why we are having this topic today um, featuring a round table of wonderful folks who I'll introduce to you all in a minute. Um, But this episode is focused on dating and intimacy after sexual trauma. I have with me today, Nadia Barrow. And let me give y'all all all the teas on Nadia. She was born and raised in Greenville, North Carolina, and relocated to Durham in 2012 when she attended the illustrious North Carolina Central University. Y'all know I love to bring a good ego onto the podcast. Yes. (laughs) She is a skilled human service professional and very passionate about working with children and families and is most interested in creating safe spaces for trauma recovery and healing. She is even more passionate about women's empowerment due to being a survivor herself. She also owns two small businesses, Create Consent Culture and Dia Moon Wellness. Nadia will be our lovely co-host for this episode, and I'm so excited to have her on. And this episode was actually her idea. Um, and I told y'all, y'all know y'all can reach out to me in the DMs. Um, if y'all have thoughts about the things that we should be talking about on this podcast. Um, And as we were just talking about with the panel of folks, um, our first episode for this year was dating in the 2020s. And so um, Nadia, you know, reached out and said that she loved the episode, but it made her think about um, the ways that she experiences dating as a survivor or as a victor um, of sexual trauma. And so um, I just love that she you know, brought this to my attention. um, And it was really important for me to have you, Nadia, to come on and um, help me to facilitate this conversation because I still have so much to learn. um, And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to learn from you. So welcome, Nadia. Thank you. I'm also really glad to be here and am such a fan of your podcast. And when I heard the episode, I really just thought to myself, I would love to be a part of a conversation when it comes to these type of topics, because I just feel like there's not enough people talking about these things. And I'm very grateful that you have this platform to like even debunk sexual myths. I think that's so amazing. And I'm just really glad to share this space with women that I love and care about. Yes. Um, So speaking of these 
beautiful women, and I mean that in the most literal way because y'all can't see them, but I can, um, and they are serving the look for us today. Uh, we have Miss Brianna on um, today and also Miss Amber, and um, they are also victors and survivors of sexual trauma, and so we'll be um, just having an authentic conversation so that we all, myself included, and you all, the teasers, can learn from um, this panel of beautiful people and um, so that we can do better. Um, just like as a society um, and me as a sex educator, I'm thinking about the ways that my sex education is trauma informed um, and just to like be a better person to um, the women in my life who I love. So yes, let's get right into it. Welcome, Brianna and Amber. Um, if y'all have anything else that y'all would like to share about yourselves with the teasers, please feel free to do so. Um, hello, I'm Brianna. I am, oh, I was about to say 27. I just turned 28. <laughs> I'm 28. I'm from North Carolina. I also went to Central. Um, I'm really happy to be here. Yes, equal pride. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I've been wanting to have a conversation, um, I guess, on this topic, but I guess I wasn't really sure how to go about it. So I'm very excited to be a part of this, and I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you. So, so everybody, I am Amber Rich Book. People know me call me Rich Book or Richie. Um, you call me Amber. Sometimes I may not answer Amber, because sometimes I forget my name is Amber. Uh, but I, I am I cannot say that I am a victor in the way that some people are victorious in their experiences. Um, and I have the perspective of being married and experiencing trauma, uh, but more so I'm here to speak on the healing aspects and the importance of healing through these experiences to ensure healthily, uh, that we date healthily. So I'm excited to get into that and share my insight uh, thank you again for inviting me on, and I'm excited to be a part of the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, and I cannot wait to hear um, you all's unique perspectives. So the first um, question that I want to ask um, for myself and for like this conversation, and then also for other people who want to have these conversations, what makes you all feel safe? when engaging in conversations about sexual trauma? Okay, so I guess I'll just hop in and talk about safety. Um, this is Rich Book, y'all. Um, safety, when I'm teaching on uh, life in general, and maybe you could jump in and like correct me at all, but it's an energy thing. I teach on energy, and most recently, I heard Janae Aiko and Big Sean, they talk about love, right? Love is living life on valued energy and in order for someone to feel safe you have to provide a valued energetic space you have to demonstrate safety by saying by presenting safety is not always saying oh this is a safe space you can tell me this or come and tell me uh, don't you want to share what happens because that's more of a badgering that's more of I feel like malintent a victor will share when they are comfortable sharing and that is the safe space. You should never look for someone who has experienced trauma to share their experience to benefit you. 
And what does what do I mean by benefiting you? I mean benefiting by way of you getting an understanding. That's just like a racist. And don't and y'all correct me if I'm wrong because I don't have a problem being told wrong. A racist coming up to somebody who experienced racism and being like, "Yo, tell me." Tell me what that did for you so that I can understand. So now you're asking me to relive my trauma and you don't know what state I am in in order for me to uh, to to help you understand I have to relive my trauma versus two, by you being your authentic self and you just caring about me just because you care about me, not because of what I've been through or what I've experienced. Are you treating me a certain way as if I have a disability? Now you're treating me like a handicap. So there's it's it's multifaceted to that, but I think the best thing is don't be so forward with like, yo, tell me about your experience, or then on the flip side, reminding them that you are a safe space and you are an experience. Because nine times out of out of ten sexual trauma survivors or those who have are impacted, they're impacted by people that they know, people that they love, and people that they have relationships with, and people that they should quote unquote feel safe with. Oh, thank you so much for that, um, Richie. I just, uh, I really appreciate that. And I know that I always like um, use racism as a point of reference for like talking about different types of oppression because um, most of this audience is black and sometimes we don't get it unless we like make a, an, a, a way for us to connect to it. Um, so I just really appreciate that response. Um, so yes. And then I'll pass it to Brianna and Nadia. Okay, um, this is Brianna. And I definitely agree with Richie. I think it comes with an energy thing. I don't think there's a good way to approach it. Like I would feel off put if somebody approached me and was like, oh, so tell me about those violent experiences you had. I'd be like, why? <laughs> like, why do you want to know that? Like, that's weird. So I definitely agree. You should always let the person come to you. I've, yeah, I've disclosed to certain people before because they did seem maybe interested or like they cared and it, it never goes well. It never goes well. So I definitely say, let the person trust their own instincts and come to you. And if they're not doing that, then I think that may be a time to like reevaluate y'all's relationship because if that person doesn't feel like a safe space and they haven't disclosed to you anything deep or personal, I think you need to think about why they don't feel safe doing that. I'll jump in there too and, and agree with the both of them in a sense of like needing to have a certain energy for people to be safe like like having that safe space is more than just saying it's a safe space and it really is an exchange of like someone sharing something with you that pretty much has shifted their life you know it shifted how they navigate in general like after experiencing something like that and I know for myself personally I feel like most people more than none that I know have come to me that were not close to me like people kind of like strangers like have shared their experiences with me based off of how they felt when they're around me or just feeling that I was a safe person or maybe learn about my work online and DMing me. And I was always shocked to know that people all over would feel comfortable sharing something like that with a stranger 
But then I just feel like I became a safe energy for people. I feel like what I was putting out into the world made other people feel like they could come and share something like that. So I think that it is a really big, um, I think energy is a really big contribution to wanting to have that safe space for someone. Thank y'all so much for that. Um, just, just really appreciate all of these thoughts and um, thinking about like that energy and uh, what you all are sharing about um, who you would share the information with. Um, and even like people who are close to you, um, that doesn't always create safety or a safe space. Um, because I think about that too, like, you know, I, I have some friends who I'm like, I would never go to them about certain situations because I just know it's going to make it more traumatic and I don't want to ruin our friendship because my cousin your ass out, <laughs> you know? So um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then also thinking about something that you said, Richie, um, like having to relive the trauma by telling your story to someone um, that is like something that's really has been showing up for me, um, like in workspaces a lot, like having to be a part of like internal equity teams or, you know, like the anti-racist group at work. So it's like, you want me to experience racism in the, in the real world, detail it back to you and then come up with a plan for how our organization can be less racist. And it's like, that is a lot to put on me, um, you know, as a black woman, so just validation yeah, to, yeah. to everything that y'all are are saying and yeah. sharing for sure I think that kind of like goes like into the next question of just like how would you say that messages and education is received or like what's the first way you can remember it impacting your life um how you understand it and process it and cope with it I think for me in general like I think about people after me and like how I would want them to receive this message. Um, and like the kids in my life, how I would want them to understand what consent is. I think like that's the main thing that we could focus on. Cause I, I remember even starting a first organization on campus and being turned away for feeling like there was already a group of people that were talking about prevention of it. But it's like when you're, someone who survived through it you're wanting to know okay how can we process what's already happened instead of talking about prevention and I think like to kind of combat that teaching people at a young age about consent is like what I would want to see in the future like I think about Richie's little babies and how they're so smart and educated and I would want them to understand at a young age that like their no is very important so if you want to jump in, Richie, right now, yeah, I absolutely want to jump in because that was like my first thought. And I just like prior to hopping on this podcast, I was recording a YouTube video. And one of the things that I was talking about was consent. And it's something that I talk about a lot with people um, because I have not experienced sexual trauma in the traditional sense of what people identify in the movies like date rate drug or you're sleeping or this or that and this and that I was married and in the state there is no such thing as a husband raping a wife because there is no such law against that right there's no thing 
And so that was that's a whole nother experience to navigate through. But when I teach consent to my children, when people are in my presence, I don't just go up to my kids and be like, yo, give mommy a hug and give mommy a kiss. When people experience me and my children, I say, can mommy have a hug? Can mommy have a kiss? Is it okay if mommy hugs you? Because I'm teaching my children consent now. When we are in public, you know, people be like, oh, a stranger says hey to them. I don't force my children to speak back to strangers. I teach them to follow my lead because I'm teaching them discernment of energy. And I'm also teaching them consent. If they say no, they don't want to have a conversation and a stranger is trying to be like chummy, chummy, happy, happy. It doesn't matter. They said they don't want to have a conversation right now. And most recently with a peer of mine, um, I had a conversation, I was having a conversation. I'm like, right now is not the time for me to have this conversation. I don't have the capacity. That is a consensual experience, right? And so when it's, and this is where we are now as adults, all of us, where we are telling ourselves and each other, no is a complete sentence. But no is more than a complete sentence in, in just one aspect of our life, but across the board and through the thread. And so it is important, like Nadia was saying, to start teaching children consent, but don't just teach them about consent from a sexual experience because in doing so, we, I don't know how to say, say it, we make the sexual experience ugly when our sexual experiences are supposed to be beautiful. We turn it into something that they should expect to have to fight for. We turn it into an expectation that they're gonna have to say no means no Johnny get the fuck off of me or and vice versa and the same thing for young for young boys too right um I have a nephew the same no means fucking no period so I'm I could keep going but that's my my aspect that I wanted to to share Bri if you could like you wouldn't jump in right now you can as well and just um you talk about the the way you've received education about it and how it's impact uh, your understanding of process and, and coping of it? Um, I didn't receive any education on it. Um, my family has always been very, which I think is probably common in the black community. Like no one talks about personal stuff. Like that's just not a thing. Um, so I was never taught about consent or anything like that, at least not in a direct way conversation but there were definitely messages as I was growing up that like at least in my world consent does not exist like I have a family member who would always tickle me when I was a kid I hate being tickled it's always been the worst feeling in the world to me it just feels gross and icky it feels like someone's crawling on you I just don't like it and I've always been like that, but I had a family member who would constantly pick me up and tickle me. I would literally be screaming, crying, put me down. I don't like it. And he would do it anyway. And he'd laugh while he was doing it. And he did it all the time. And I hated it. And so it's just like, that was never, you know, a direct thing that, you know, your consent doesn't matter, but it's something that you internalize because I'm literally telling you, don't touch me like that. I don't like that. And you're enjoying the fact that I'm saying I don't like it and doing it anyway. So it's definitely something that I internalized and something that affected me as I got older. Um, I am a sexual assault survivor of multiple occasions. So for me, it wasn't like 
a one-time experience that happened. It happened multiple times from the time I was 16 up until last year, me turning 27. So it's like a constant experiencing it and then getting over it and then experiencing it and getting over it. And then still, when I was especially younger, growing up and still getting all these mixed messages about what consent even is, because the first time it happened, I didn't think that's what happened. I just thought, I didn't want to, but he did. So mm -hmm. mm, like I, but that goes back to the message of like the whole thing with me being tickled. I didn't want to, but the person did. So my no didn't matter. And like you guys are talking about kids, like that's something that's really important. It's not just teaching your kids. Somebody shouldn't touch your private places. Somebody shouldn't touch you regardless. You don't want to talk. You don't want to touch. You don't want to do anything. You don't have to. Um, and so I don't have kids yet and I don't work with kids, but I hope to have kids one day. And that's something that's really important to me. And that's something that I'm glad we're seeing more of in the media, but I think it still gets way too much pushback for it to be considered normal or normalized. Absolutely. Thank y'all so much for, for sharing those perspectives. And you, I talk about all the time on my podcast and on my Twitter, follow us at Birds, Bees, Teas, about treating children like people. Treat children with respect. You know, um, talk to kids about sex. Um, and that starts as early as, you know, when they're able to identify their sexual organs and um, you know, I, you know, have a sense of gender identity and all of those things, um, because those lessons, like, follow you through life, um, you know, I don't identify as um, a sexual trauma survivor, um, but one in two women will experience some type of sexual misconduct in their lifetime, um, and I definitely have experienced much of that, um, just, you know, growing up and all of those things. And a lot of messages that I heard um, were like related to the ways that I dress and, you know, like what that meant that other people were allowed to do to me because of how my body looked in the way that I dressed it. Um, you know, like I've had a fat ass since I was nine. Like, and so, you know, that um, the messages that I received from my family about, you know, if I could or should wear leggings or not, or, you know, um, like, oh, there may be leggings on other people, but they're tights on you. So stuff like that, um, that really shake a lot of my thoughts and messages about consent as well, um, which like moves me into the next question about sex positivity, um, because I don't feel like I had any of that growing up, despite um, my mom being a sex educator herself. Um, you know, she was or I should say that she was more of an HIV educator, um, STI prevention, pregnancy prevention. Um, and we know that now like sex education includes sex positivity, which is the idea that consensual sexual expression and desire is good, healthy and pleasurable. And so while I received a lot of messages around like safe sex and all of those things, I never experienced sex positivity until I taught it to myself. Um, as a young adult. And so um, I just want to share a little bit about sex positivity and how and its relation to sexual violence and then ask you all some questions um, in regard to that. 
So sex positivity also celebrates that everyone has the right to set their own boundaries, explore their sexuality, and determine their own sexual expression, and that no one has the right to violate those boundaries or anyone's consent. So how would you all say that the efforts to shift to a more sex positive culture have influenced how you cope, deal, and heal presently? Now that people are being um, more like open about sex and sexuality and we're having more open conversations about consent and what that means, even though we still have a long, long, long way to go, um, like how, how does it, how do those conversations resonate with you all um, as survivors? I'll jump in first, and this is Nadia, and I'll just say, um, like you said, it's great to see a shift and to see some of these conversations starting, um, but I think for me, sometimes it's kind of scary still, because when conversations like these are starting, I feel like they could go one or two ways, depending on who's starting these conversations, so like, you may have some people starting these conversations, but are still coming from a very shameful lens. And so you never want to just walk into a room and feeling like your back is against the wall and someone is someone is blaming you for what happened. And so I can vividly remember going into an event, going to an event when I was at NCCU, um, and it was hosted by a student group. And it was the, it was a nightmare. Like, I felt like I was going into a room where I would be safe, but in turn, the people that were having this conversation was saying, this woman is responsible for what happened to her because she shouldn't have drank, she shouldn't have wore these jeans, she shouldn't have met up with her ex-boyfriend, X, Y, Z. And it, it was the most terrible position to be in as a survivor and having the total opposite feelings of the people that were hosting the conversation and um I that's something that like stuck with me and really made me proud to like have my own platform and express like how we should have these conversations and like why it's important to shift the the blame culture from it so I think it for me it's still kind of scary like it's scary that we're having these conversations because they're so it's so multi-layered in terms of like if you're talking about healing if you're talking about prevention if you're talking about someone who's experienced multiple times if they've experienced multiple times it must be their fault like there are people that still have harmful ideologies about the conversation so for me I would say it's still scary but I'm glad to see more people open up and talk about it Um, I'll jump in next. This is Brianna. Um, I definitely agree. It's definitely exciting to see all these changes and how many people feel safe and comfortable and empowered to say what their truth is, what their experience is. Like, it's made me feel safer. It's made me feel safer to share and put myself out there more. But I definitely agree with Nadia. Like, it's still extremely scary because I think sometimes even people have good intentions to have those conversations, but they still don't understand that they hold a lot of harmful messages in their head. And I don't think people always necessarily mean to be malicious about it. I really think people genuinely don't know 
that certain things they say or think are shitty. Like they just are. Like I've, you know, talked to people and, you know, they've been really understanding, but then they'll say something sideways and it's just like, mm, that's, that's not where I thought this was going. Um, and even like, you know, at Central, I went to another event. I want to say, funnily enough, 100 Black men and the Q's co-hosted it. So you can only imagine how that was. Um, <laughs> but they had a Black man up there and he was having a conversation about the sexual violence and the sexual violent language in music and how it affects what we think and our views on sex. And he specifically brought up uh, Drunken Love by Beyonce and about how it's talking about husband and wife getting drunk and having consensual sex, but how people can misconstrue that and think that anyone drinking and having sex with someone is okay. And then all you heard is just, cause I mean, there were definitely no women there. So just a hundred men in there just, Oh, like that's BS. You don't know what you're talking about. And it's just like, what was the point of hosting the event if this is what you were gonna do? Like, and so it just made me uncomfortable because, like I said, like I went there thinking, like, oh, this is a great topic. Oh, this is gonna be a really good event. And it's hosted by black men. That's great that they want to learn and educate themselves just for them to turn around and literally think it's a joke. So I'm definitely glad about this shift in the culture, but I think more men need to get involved. I think that's where we're seeing a disconnect. A lot of women are feeling empowered to do so, but then men aren't doing the same. And that's really where the issue comes in because sexual violence is patriarchal and misogynistic. And if we don't get men on board, then it's really not gonna make a difference. Woo. Yes, um, thank you for that. And I think there's a question like later down that asks like what um, people can do to like be supportive. But I would just want to plug that in now, um, Brianna, and to the entire group because you said that like what are things like specific things that men can do to um, be more supportive, to like be better. Um, to women and to um, survivors and to like learn. Okay, so Rich Book going to jump in because the best thing that anybody can do, and this is not just to men, because there's a there are a lot of women who shame yes. women who have experienced sexual trauma as well. Yes. The best thing that we can all do is heal. The best thing that we can all do is be accountable for ourselves. The best thing that we can all do is mind our fucking business. The best thing that we can do, what's crazy is, so I ride motorcycles, right? So I'm out here riding motorcycles and I ride with a lot of men sometimes. And there's a guy who's like talking to me, but he's like involved with somebody. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, you're minding my pussy right now. And I recommend that you go mind the pussy that you're, that you're in right and it just came out and excuse my friends right this is sexual but stop minding my pussy and go mind yours like that's just it and it's one of those things that if we focus on healing we can look at things objectively and and so the same way that we heal ourselves and in healing ourselves we heal the generations before us 
and we heal the generations after us by way of when we talk about these experiences, a lot of men forget that their mamas may have had these sexual experiences, these traumatic experiences that they have no idea about. And a lot of young women, our mamas experience these sexual experiences and we have no idea about. And here's the thing when it comes to healing and healing the generations before us and after us is that our mothers, right? We, as melanated people come from matriarchal societies Mm -hmm. and coming from matriarchal societies, we are consistently like our great, great grandmothers held us in their wombs when they were in the womb of their mother. And whatever our great, great grandmothers experienced as it relates to uh, rape and molestation and the emasculation of seeing their sons killed and slaughtered and that trauma that they carried in their wombs when they gave birth, when they delivered, passed on to their children, which passed on to their children, which passed on to their children. Well, Rich Book, what are you talking about? By way of an example, I tell people to reflect back on their family system. I was married and divorced. My mother was married and divorced. My grandmother was married and divorced. My great-grandmother was married and divorced. My great-great-grandmother had never been married and was and was raped by a Portuguese man, which yielded my grand my great-grandmother. And then my great-grandmother was raped by a Portuguese man, which yielded my grandmother, who is my complexion with gray eyes and soft hair. It, there's so many different things where sexual trauma is passed down through generations, but because I choose to heal, right? I cognizantly know to start teaching my children about consent and start teaching my children about self-worth and their values. Because a lot of the times what people can do when men, when men and women uneducated, let me say that, uneducated and unhealed persons speak on these types of experiences, they're speaking from opinion, they're speaking from being uneducated, and they're speaking from biases. They are speaking from not being accountable for themselves right? And when you talked about Brie earlier, and I hope it's okay to call you Brie, when you talked about um, your body type, like as a young child, and Nia, you talked about it too. I don't let people tell me, oh, my daughter got nice legs. I don't let people sexualize my daughters at all. I do not. That is one thing that I don't, my child is six. What the fuck you mean she got nice legs? Like now I'm looking at you crazy because that, and you know, some people might be like, oh, that's innocent. No, when y'all hear some crazy off the wall, disrespectful shit, nip it in the bud. And it's we are in the age where we can't just say that, oh, they old folks and that's just what we do. So y'all gonna let an old Karen who sit on the porch and she grew up and she singing, oh, mama, is daddy gonna sell us tomorrow from bringing, from bringing down the house? Because no, no, no old ladies. No, absolutely not. I don't, I don't care that you grew up in the Confederate South. You do not have permission to call me gal. I'm a grown ass woman and I'll slap the shit out of you. Not in real life, right? But you know what I'm saying? So I know that was a mouthful, y'all, but the best thing, rich books, feedback and advice will be to just heal. Mind your business and heal. That's the only way that you can support because when you heal, you begin to understand. And the other thing that I tell people too is like when my children break their toys, right? Some people, some adults, the way we grew up, what you crying over that broken toy for? I got bills I gotta pay. I should be crying. A child cannot understand the problems of an adult. And so this broken toy is just as devastating as your cell phone being cut off because you didn't pay your bill. Uh It's just as devastating. And so it's affirming 
my children and their emotions where they are right now. So when they become older, their feelings and their thoughts and emotions are affirmed and validated right now, which then in turn will allow them to be able to discern, right? Because sometimes in these sexual experience, these sexually traumatic experiences, Bree, you said it earlier, we thinking even we share, take not taking away from the top topic but we all have our intimate secrets that we don't always feel safe enough to share but then when we feel comfortable and we feel like oh we trust somebody and we open up in the floodgate and now we just want to tell everybody everything and every which capacity and now we're betrayed that's typically how it happens and sometimes it's because we don't have that level of discernment because we've never experienced trustworthy people. We never experienced people who looked out for us. We never experienced people who advocate for us. My children have no problem telling anybody, I'm going to tell my mom. They have no fucking problem telling anybody, I will tell my mom. Period. <laughs> Period. They have no fucking problem because I will always have their back. And I let them know that I will show up for you in every which way and every which capacity i had to tell my eight-year-old she gotta stop telling kids that because then they're gonna be like oh that mom be kids up and she do rich book will pull up for sure <laughs> rich book can you be my mom that. i want to can you be my mom rich book <laughs> <laughs> I got you. But I know I know that was like a lot, but all I could do, I'll just talk about healing. It's our accountability. It is our accountability. And healing doesn't mean that there's some traumatic shit that happened to people who are listening and have not had these experiences. It doesn't mean something traumatic has happened. It just means you're returning to wholeness. And this is how you become an ally to support your friends. And and I know you don't have men, but maybe another episode definitely bring some men in to talk about their sexual um, traumatic experiences that impact them. And while we have a lot of hyper-masculine men and a lot of men with aggression towards women, because nobody's talking about the grown-ass pedophilic women who are molesting these young boys and the old-ass perverted men who are condoning these young boys and saying, yo, it's cool that this grown ass woman touched on you when it's, when it's not. I would, I, as a mother and as a healed person is like, that's, that's absolutely not okay. So. I wanted to jump in also and say that um, when I think about like someone giving me support, sometimes in addition to Richie saying, mind your business, also um being a good listener so like I might be sharing this with you or I might open up to you about an experience but sometimes just listen like just listen just hear someone out when they're coming to you and also don't be afraid to redirect if someone is sharing something with you and you know you have no knowledge of what they're talking about you can't even like understand their experience you have the right to redirect them and tell them listen, I might not be the best person to talk with this about, uh, but I know a friend that might feel comfortable talking with you. Like, don't even, oh. like you can turn away a conversation that you don't have the capacity to hold. And I think that like, a lot of times we just, as a survivor, you just want to feel like someone will listen sometimes. And it's not even that I need you to support me or correct me or, tell me what I could have done to not be in that situation. Like just, just shut up and just hear someone out and then maybe refer them to someone else. If you aren't the type of person that could like handle that conversation, 
And then um, another way I feel like would just be like literally being supportive. So if you can't be supportive, I would say turn down the conversation and don't don't speak on something that you're not informed about. Because I feel like that is very harmful and triggering to a survivor to just like jump in on the conversation and now you're blaming me or now I'm feeling bad that I even told you because it's like actually you don't even understand this experience. So why? Like why did I why did I open up the floor for you to then make me feel bad about myself? So that's my tidbit on that. Um Rich Book and Nadia kind of said everything I wanted to say, but yeah, like healing, listening, listening is the biggest one for me. Like I am the kind of person that when I talk, I just need you to listen. I don't need you to problem solve. I don't need you to ask no questions or any, like literally just be present and listen. And definitely what Nadia said, if you feel like you're not educated enough or you don't have the capacity to have the conversation, then just don't have it because you saying some wild shit to me after I've done opened up to you is just gonna piss me off and now we never speaking again and now you look stupid. <laughs> I have one more thing to add. On the flip side of that, also, I think this is one thing that like I learned in therapy myself. It's just like asking someone, what do you need from me? Like, what it, like how can I help you? Because we can say X, Y, and Z is how you help someone, but that's not how you help everyone. Like someone else might have another idea of what is supported to them. So if someone does choose to open up to you about their experience, asking them, what do you need from me? Do you just want to listen? Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to give you advice? Do you want me to tell you who you can go to to talk about it? Do you need help finding a therapist? Like there's so many different ways we experience it. I think it's fair to say, check in with that person and ask, what do you need? I love that so much. I love that so much. Um, and thank y'all all for, for these things. Um, these are things that I'm also learning through therapy. Um, and that healing um, part that you spoke on, Rich Book, is just a lot. It, it's a lot because, um, you know, I'm learning a lot of things. I'm I just recently moved back home um, as an adult for the first time. And um, now I'm learning so much about my Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and so I'm learning so much about my family in this, in this process and learning so much about my family history and all of these things um, and things that my mom and my parents have shielded me from that they experienced, but my healing through therapy and, um, you know, through my spirituality is helping me to better understand my mom. It's helping me to better understand my grandmother, um, helping me to better understand my grandparents and why they act the way they do. Um, so definitely that, that healing piece, even as a person who has not experienced some of the things that you need to heal from generationally. Um, yes, it all, all day, all day. Woo, okay, um, Nadia, I'm gonna pass it to you for the next question. So I think now we can um, jump into just like how you would describe your experience as being a victor. Nia, I wanted to thank you earlier for saying victor. Um, Cause I remember when I first started 
uh, Create Consent Culture, which most people know as Worthy Women NC, there was actually a person that DM'd us and because we had victors of sexual assault in our bio instead of victim. And they were like, don't you mean victim? And I, we were like, no, that's not what we mean. Like we, we stand with everyone who has experiences, no matter how you identify. And we're wanting you to like, to gain your power back. So the first way to gain your power back is like claiming that you are a victor and that you are a survive like a survivor and really like understanding what that means um and so even going into I feel like dating experiences sometimes it could be really hard to like affirm that you can feel shrunken up by one bad experience um and so I just would like to know like what would you describe your experience with now as a survivor um and do you feel comfortable disclosing this with your love interests and potential partners or current partners um I'll jump in first this is Brianna again um now I'm in a relationship uh before that I've been single for like five and a half years um it was hard at first like I mean definitely the dating scene before I got in a relationship was hard um meeting people not knowing their intentions um because of my past i do have ptsd so i get paranoid i become hypervigilant. um one of actually more than one of my sexual assault experiences i had people like literally like set me up like it was planned i was walking into something that i had no idea about but everybody else knew so i have a fear of being set up like so if people take me somewhere i'm like who's there like who's like where are we gonna be and I've even I dated someone one time and I literally walked through his whole apartment when we got to his place like looking behind shower curtains like making sure that nobody else was in there um and that can be weird like obviously for the person you're dating especially if they're a genuine person they're looking at you crazy but also you have to worry about this person's not genuine and I'm being paranoid so when someone's not being genuine they can get agitated they can be like well, what you don't fucking trust me and then now I really feel threatened because now you're yelling at me and I'm just trying to be safe and protect myself mm -hmm. um so that is really difficult I as far as disclosing I don't really disclose unless I feel like it's a serious 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 relationship only because I just feel like it's so personal that I don't want to just share that with anybody because I had shared it with someone before that I was in a relationship with. And when I tell you, I told this man and he cried, like tears coming out his eyes. I can't believe you went through that. That's so sad. That's so horrible. And then this person ended up being someone that I was in a domestic violence relationship with. So going back to like what Rich Book said, like really learning discernment like I had to learn after that experience like okay even if I feel safe with this person I need to check other things before I disclose something because there were definitely signs that I probably shouldn't have disclosed that to him but just because in that moment I felt so safe and I felt like I can trust this person I did it and he even made a good show like I said he cried and everything and I'm like oh my god like you don't have to cry it's okay it happened to me and then he turned out to be a shitty person so yeah, I don't disclose to everyone. And I've also disclosed to people and they just say really shitty stuff. So I definitely keep it close to the chest. And but it does make 
dating harder because then I can't always explain the certain behaviors that I have. Um, like checking behind shower curtains, like after having sex and I feel depressed. Like for a long time, I suffered from postcortal depression, which is basically after sex, feeling shameful, guilty, disgusting, like I shouldn't have did that. And I couldn't explain to people like, yeah, like I wanna have sex with you, but afterward, I'm not gonna want you to touch me and I may start crying, but don't worry, it's okay. Like, how do you, how do you have any kind of relationship with someone like that without disclosing that? So it becomes a very fine line. And for a while there, I did only have casual sex because that was easier. It was easier than telling someone what happened to me and going through that emotional roller coaster of, I tell this person, are they gonna shame me? Are they gonna be disgusted? Are they gonna ask me a bunch of questions? Are they gonna be a safe space? Um, so yeah, it's, it's very difficult, but I'm in a happy relationship now and he handles it very well. So yeah, I'll pass it to someone else. We love to see it. I'm gonna jump in again. I don't know if Amber has something to add to this, but um, I just want to thank Amber for like bring truly bringing in like the healing aspect of this conversation. Um, Amber is someone that I feel like I trust wholeheartedly, like with my whole entire life. She really makes me feel that safe. And I just feel like this, like me and her friendship is the type of friendship where I feel I can go to her about any experience and literally feel safe. And I think that she has um like she's not the, the type of friend that would just tell you what you want to hear she's going to really push you and I think that her ideas about healing helped me in the sense of like even being a survivor and understanding that the way I heal myself is like the best way to gain outside experiences so so in my experience of just like intimacy after abuse it's just like I know that I can can better control the situation once I'm healed and not to say that like oh we're the destination of healing and it's completely over but it's like no the more that I heal myself the easier it is for me to be in a healthy romantic you know relationship or friendships like I feel like there's so many ways that you can be triggered that can affect all the relationships around you platonic you know or anything so I think that the more I dig and heal myself the easier it becomes for me to like enjoy intimate experiences and not feel shameful about it and I think that it took me years to get to the point of like opening up to people and just like getting out of my head about how they'll feel about me once this experience is over. Because I think that as a survivor, I carried shame for so long and guilt for so long that mm -hmm. I couldn't see the other side of that. I couldn't see the other side of like a healthy, intimate, you know, relationship and feeling comfortable enough to explore things sexually. Like, I think that that's just healing. Like healing can take you really, really far. <laughs> I definitely agree. I don't have much to say because you guys said it all, but thank you for that, Nadia, because I feel the same about you, and thank you for allowing me to be in your life in the capacities that you have allowed me to, and, and healing is my life, right? I will always teach healing in every single experience. Every single experience 
is a direct reflection and arm or extension of healing and what we need to do. And so in order for us to heal the collective, we definitely have to heal ourselves. Um, so yeah. Lovely. Thank y'all so much. Um, so impactful. So impactful. I'm I'm learning and um just learning and relating all at all at the same time. So just just so grateful that this conversation is happening. And um Nadia, you um started to touch on like um like more pleasurable experiences as a result of um healing from sexual trauma. Um, and so that is something I want to, you know, get in your business a little bit about, like, how do you um, experience pleasure now, um, sexual pleasure and pleasure that's not related to sex um, as a trauma survivor, as a victor? Um, like, what role does pleasure play in your healing? And um, you can expound more about the role that healing has played in your pleasure as well. Okay, um, I guess I'll jump in first since I got the ball, the ball rolling with that. <laughs> but I think for myself, um, I guess just taking a period to learn my own body and, and being in control of my own pleasure before letting someone take part in that. So I feel like, you know, we're not shameful over here. So it's like masturbation is like a great way to learn what it is that you like. And it's an experience that you don't have to feel shameful about. And so like within doing that, you're like, oh, I like this. So, oh, I would try this. And I feel like for me, taking that time to learn my own body made it easier for me to kind of like shift back into that world and not feel scared not feeling like oh I'm just gonna lay here because this person wants to have sex it's like no I know what I like and now I can direct someone and tell them these are the ways that I am pleasured like it's kind of like just having that sense of control or like you have the control of how it can go instead of leaving it off to someone else to just figure out how to pleasure you now they've done something that triggered you now they're playing your ass and you might not like that like there's just so many ways that it could go if you don't learn how to pleasure yourself and if you don't take accountability of like teaching others what it is that you actually like so I think for me uh, masturbation was definitely like a way that I eased my foot back into feeling comfortable to be like intimate after abuse because for a while I was very disgusted and thought I would never want a man to touch me again or never thought that I could like release that control to have that experience with someone else but then when I started to do it by myself I'm like oh yeah I'm gonna get back in the streets when I can like healthily do it in a way that works for me heal that's all I can say that's all I can say is just heal that's all I can say. And and therapy. And so the other thing too is masturbation is a form of therapy. Y'all better write some affirmations down while you rubbing and loving on yourself and you whisper sweet nothings in your ear. You tell yourself the shit you want to hear. The thing is, right? 
Um, two, when it comes to sexual experiences, whether people believe it or not, some of us have never experienced a level of inti intimacy. When it comes to sex, um, masturbation and none of that, like intimacy doesn't mean penetration. Intimacy is so much deeper than a, a sexually penetrative experience. It is about the trust. It is about the safe space. And sometimes people don't can't even effectively masturbate because they don't trust themselves. They don't have intimacy with themselves. They haven't cultivated an experience to love one of themselves. I'm sorry, Nia. I'm so, I apologize. Get it to it. Pull the card. Pull the card. And people not you not trusting yourself, and so we look for this sexual fulfillment outside of ourselves, which can often lead us into environments and experiences that do not serve us. And so, sexual trauma does not. And Nadia and Bree, this is not like anything to say. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's not just rape, right? You can consent to a sexual experience and you're laying there the whole time and you're fucking disconnected. And, and there are times where we as women, we use our bodies to, to satisfy or exchange payment without even cognizantly realizing that's what we're doing. And then we end up with these, right? Everybody's talking about soul ties and stop having sex for soul ties and discipline. Learning to being a discipline and being abstinent and celibate is also a form of therapy. Not because you don't enjoy having sex, because right, we are sexual people, we are sexual beings, but it's about learning to be a disciple of yourself. And when you understand that your body is a sacred uh organ, right? You don't give God to everybody in that capacity. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody takes uh you know takes up tithes and offering who deserves your tithes and your offering which is your sacred space and healing through that to get back to having those healthy relationships you have we have to be able to look ourselves in the mirror we have to create and cultivate our own levels of intimacy so that when we do get into relationships i can confidently and comfortably explain to this potential partner this is what intimacy looks like for me and why this is what I healed to. This is what I healed through. And this is and this is what I can communicate with you. Even if you're not 100% healed through something, when you start working on yourself, you're able to communicate and say, this is where I was, this is where I am, and this is where I'm headed. And that gives that person that you are trusting with, with yourself, with your heart, with your body, the opportunity to put themselves in alignment to walk with you through your healing journey. Friends, family, lovers whomever so. that's a word i did not feel any disrespect about that that was truly a word yeah um definitely especially on the disassociation thing um that for me was a thing that happened for me i guess after sexual trauma is that i would disassociate i would have sex with people and I couldn't tell you nothing about the experience. I was just there, just laying there, just thinking about laundry, thinking about what I'm going to eat after this. When's it going to be over? Oh, he's not saying nothing. Hmm, what's that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Literally just yeah. not even in the moment. And so last year, I kind of taken the time when I decided- I'm make you laugh. There was a time I was like, I didn't know the ceiling fan turned to the left. I'm like, do it turn to the left? Yeah, I didn't even know that. Just so I understand. 
yeah but like yeah so last year I decided that I was gonna do self sex therapy so basically what I did was once a week I made myself masturbate under different conditions like for me I'm a very visual and auditory person but because I wanted to focus on the ability to be present I started masturbating to music I started masturbating to meditation guidings like I needed to learn how to pay attention to what my body was doing because the music, the porn, all that stuff is just a distraction because if I'm watching porn or something, I'm not even looking at my body. I'm not focusing on my body. I'm just looking at the screen. It's <laughs> I'm not even paying attention to what's going on because also when you know, you're watching porn or something, you're masturbating, you're just thinking, what's the quickest way to get from point A to point B? What's that video that makes it happen in two minutes? Okay. Like, and I had to learn how to slow down by myself because I also had had sex with someone at one point and he literally grabbed my hips and was like, slow down. We're not going anywhere. Like, why are you in a rush? And I was like, huh, good point. I guess, you know, you're right. But I was so used to, because also I disassociated to me, it was just, what's the fastest way to get this done? I'm not here mentally. Let's just take our clothes off, do this and go about our business. Mm. So disassociation is definitely a big thing. I definitely agree. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a specifically, I guess, sexually violent experience. Like she said, when we disassociate, we're traumatizing ourselves because we're not being a part of the experience. Um, but now I definitely think the biggest thing with me experiencing pleasure now is communication, being able to communicate with my boyfriend you know, how I'm feeling, even if it means me saying, you know, I don't really want to do this tonight. I'm not in the mood because I had an issue with doing that too. I would just do it because I knew they wanted to, or because, you know, I felt like we should, or it's a holiday or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. And it really has to do with communicating. If you are having sex with someone else, like communicating your past, the things that you like, the things you don't like, the things that trigger you, I need you to do this. And I even had to disclose to him that, you know, I have a problem with disassociation. And so now we've included it in our sex life to where, you know, he can ask me, hey, are you present? Because if we're not, if you're not, we can stop. And I never had anybody do that before. And it was something that has amplified our sex life. And I'm definitely having like the best sex I've ever had. Like I remember, (laughs) I remember thinking like we had sex on Valentine's Day And I literally like just burst into tears because all I could think about was this is the best consensual experience that I've ever had in my life. Like, I love this person. I feel safe. I feel good. Like, holy crap, we here, bitch. I didn't think you'd get here. (laughs) I didn't think you could have a healthy sex life. Like, good for you. Like, it literally brought me to tears because I did not think I could feel that way. And you did the what, Bree? You did the work to heal, to get to that point. Like that. This it works. Was healing my works. Thesis. I'm here to tell you that healing okay. works. <laughs> yes. Also, I'm going to just plug in this. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I probably said before on Amber's podcast was that healing is not linear and just like giving yourself the grace to understand that no matter how far you come your journey, 
you might have a bad day. And so like you, you can easily communicate with someone. I don't want to do this. I thought I was feeling it, but now I'm not mm-hmm. like, like Bree said, communicating. It's just like so important in terms of like having a pleasurable experience with someone you have to communicate and I think even as an adult recently I had a very uncomfortable conversation with a guy friend about just like intimacy in general and like he he asked me basically why I didn't speak up for myself and it knocked me back 15 steps because I thought I was so prideful and like thinking oh I can communicate well I could do this and I could do that not not sexually but just like feeling like I was above being corrected in the moment and so he's like no you did not communicate well about what it is you wanted or what you didn't want to do and now you're expecting me to communicate for you and I'm like oh that shit burned it really did burn because it's like someone else saying that they want consensual experiences but it takes communication both ways and like you know, what does intimacy mean for you? Not just like, I can, I can show you what intimacy means for me, but that might not be the same way you look at it. And that really made me, it was like a moment that stung, but I needed that moment to remind myself, like we're ever growing and we're, we're still healing, even though we've got, you know, X amount of years under our belt of therapy, like there's still experiences that could trigger you and I had a triggering experience recently and instead of saying oh this triggered me I really just retreated and was like oh no no like I put myself in a box and kind of could not express how I was feeling and I think even in that that's okay but it's it's better to say I can't explain how I feel right now because even that is something more than just not communicating at all Mm -hmm. so just give yourself grace in terms of like how you choose to communicate with others as well y'all are dropping the gems y'all are dropping the gems and um you know I was just thinking about like Rihanna you were saying like you're having the best sex of your life right now and then Richie chimed in and said because you did the work and yes you know, like, yes, it's not just that you, like, are now in a healthy romantic partnership with somebody who is, you know, dropping good dick, but also that you, like, took the time to heal, um, like you all have been saying this entire time, um, so just so grateful for that. I always talk about how communication and talking about sex and, and talking about sex in non-sexual situations um, improves sex, so I'm glad that the teasers here, other people saying it, because it's not just me, I'm trying to tell y'all, listen, talk about it. Um, just just really grateful for that. Um, and then just the last piece that you were talking about, Nadia, um, with healing being an ongoing process. Um, just just so, so grateful for, for all of these gems. Um, yes. All right, so my last question, maybe, <laughs> for y'all. Um, I want to know, y'all have already, like I said, dropped so many gems, but um, what advice would you all give to other survivors and other victors um, about engaging in sex and dating and centering their pleasure and um, intimacy and all of those things after experiencing sexual trauma? What would you like them to know about the journey? Um, and Amber, I'm 
I definitely want to, if you're okay with sharing and it's absolutely okay if not, like for women who are in um, partner relationships or who are married, um, for people who are in partner relationships and experience violence there, um, you know, like what advice could you give? And y'all already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> so what's interesting is um, I remember, of course, like I was married. I was in my relationship for five years, six years, a long ass fucking time. I can't remember. And a lot of people, when I shared with them, because my ex-husband was my first boyfriend, I lost my virginity to him. And it was just like, I'm doing everything the right way. And I remember after having my first child, um, sex was not pleasurable. And I did dissociate a lot and sex was a chore for me. And there were times where I'm like, I don't wanna have sex. And it's like, well, you're gonna have sex. And the, that was my sexual traumatic experience that I have to do something that I really don't want to because in, in this state, I am legally obligated to give this man what he's asking for because I am his wife, quote unquote property. I am owned by him and he gets to do what he wants to do with me at any time. And thinking that I wasn't enough and that there was something wrong with my body. But in hindsight, the truth is, and through my, you know, killed sexual experiences, I wasn't stimulated. I wasn't experiencing intimacy. My body wasn't producing lubrication to enjoy this experience. And it was something that I was just uh, putting myself through. And so domestic violence and sexual trauma sometimes do align and go hand in hand. And it is difficult to leave these certain situations. And so the advice that I would give for me personally, I from me personally to whomever this is for is to really start working on yourself, start working on your healing. I went to therapy. My ex-husband stopped going to counseling with me. I kept going. I kept reading. I kept journaling. I kept working on myself and seeing, okay, why did I agree to be in this relationship? What aspects of me found this man in this type of experience attractive? What in it did? And so I explained to people, I came from one uh, one type of abuse, mental, emotional, physical, growing up. And then here I am in this type of abusive situation because I feel like I have the control and I feel like I can fight back in this situation. And so I can rah, rah, rah all at the same time, but that's not healthy. And so that's where healing comes in. And so to the, the people who are in partner relationships, I just told somebody relationships should be easy. And easy doesn't mean that there are no challenges. Ease means flow. Relationships should flow. And you know, and a lot of times people tell me, oh, you're brave because I could never leave my relationship because this person has all the money. Let me tell y'all, when I left my, my marriage, I was six weeks pregnant with this little baby that's in my face right now. And I had no money and I was homeless. For, for quite a time but the way that spirit and the universe and the 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 faculties that are out here whatever higher power you believe in the way they work in your favor to align to give you what it is that you need to survive when you make a decision that there's no going back 
I promise you everything will be worth it and it will all work out. And so I say that to talk about healing because when people ask me, this is funny. And this is why I talked about when we talked about what can men do and then women do to support people of sexual trauma. And I say heal because I've had so many men um, when they learn that I'm divorced, they say, well, what did you do? And I'm like, nigga, what? I'm like, bro, what, what did I do? Because the truth is it does take two. But my truth is, I'm not saying my entire marriage, I was perfect. What I am saying, when it was time for me to walk away, that final year of my life or that life, that lifetime, I was able to walk away with my hands clean and say, I didn't do anything. I kept doing what I was supposed to do. And my therapist told me I healed. That's what I did. So I know that was like a long-winded answer, but y'all, I'm always, I'm always speak to it. Thank you so much. Um, I'll jump in. This is Brianna. Um, I'd say my piece of advice would be take your time. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, like Nadia said, like healing's not linear, it's ongoing. Like you're gonna feel some days like this shit is never gonna end. I'm gonna feel awful forever. And you won't. And then there's also going to be times where you're like, holy shit, I'm healed. Like, this is it. I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm completely okay. I'm 100%. And then something comes out of nowhere and triggers you and you feel like you're back at square one. Like, it takes time. Like, it's an ongoing thing. Like, healing is not a destination. It's just not. It just keeps going. And as time goes on and life goes on, like, things will trigger you, things will come up, like more traumatic experiences will happen in your life. But you have to, I guess what Rich puts that, like you, it, healing, like you just have to keep doing it. It never stops. Like that is the only thing that you can do. And healing looks different for everybody. Like, but I definitely say find a safe space, whether that's talking to a therapist or just someone you can trust, but definitely find a safe space. That made all the difference for me. For me, um, my safe space was Worthy Women at Central. Like I was Nadia's guinea pig, basically. I was like the first member of Worthy Women and I was so terrified. I'm like, I don't know these girls. Like I'm supposed to come in here and tell them my business. But like I tell Nadia and Christina, who's the other founder of Worthy Women all the time, like they dead ass changed my life. Like I needed that safe space so bad. Like through the camera <laughs> I needed that safe space so bad and like it's important and I like I said I was definitely terrified at first but it really made a difference and now Nadia is a part of my life forever and she can't get rid of me <laughs> but how did Dr. Lundy Dr. Lundy <laughs> a chance on me and Christina's idea essentially and gave us that space to heal and become women like I remember being very afraid on Central's campus and angry and just understanding learning what triggers were like literally learning what triggers were in that time frame and just it was it was a crazy experience to know that I could like create that space for people just like me that that needed it and I would say my advice um to others would be everything that Brian Amber said as well but also 
listening to yourself, like really getting in tune with yourself and and trusting yourself. So as Amber said, you know, walking away when it's when you're ready. Like I also walked away from a very manipulative relationship my sophomore year of college and literally listen to myself like listen to what felt right and moved when I felt like I can no longer make space for this person in my life that is causing me more trauma <laughs> like being into myself made it easier for me to start my healing journey and so that would be my advice for anyone like trust yourself and listen to yourself if it doesn't feel right don't make those necessary steps to get out of that situation not saying that it could be easy, like not saying that it's easy to walk away from something, but just knowing that you can make an escape plan if you are in that predicament. Lovely, lovely. Thank y'all so much for that. And yes, we love Dr. Lundy, um, just, just an amazing, beautiful woman. Um, and I'm gonna drop her Instagram, I can't find it right now. I'm gonna drop her Instagram um, in the, the comments um, so that y'all can connect with somebody who's impacted and touched us all here. Um, so I'm just, again, I can't say how grateful I am to you all. Um, I've learned so much and um, I, I feel so affirmed um, in a lot of my own experiences. Um, so just, just thank you. Um, for y'all for being open and being honest and um, being vulnerable and sharing these things. Um, is there anything else that y'all would like to share with the teaser? And that's okay if not. Um, and I would definitely like to ask um, Nadia to um, let the teasers know how they can connect with Create Consent Culture um, and connect with you beyond this. Um, and then also the same thing for you, Rich Book. Um, please let the teasers know about your YouTube channel and your podcast and how they can get connected with you as well. Um, okay, I'll go first. This is Nadia. Um, the best way you can connect with me is just slide in the DMs. <laughs> but no, uh, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my personal page is Nadia Forever. So that's N-A-D-I y-a-h forever um i'm also do, like looking forward to doing a lot more wellness work through dia moon wellness so that's d-i-y-a-h moon wellness um and i would just like to say if anyone's listening to this that may have opened up like a a i guess triggering response like don't feel afraid to like reach out or um hit up Nia if you want to connect with me don't feel afraid to ask for what you need if you're listening to this and you felt something don't be afraid to talk to a friend and just remember that you're safe even if you heard something that may have triggered you on this podcast episode I would just like you to know that like you are safe and you can reaffirm that for yourself Okay, you absolutely are safe. If you are listening to this and you absolutely are safe, those who have experienced and have not experienced and are close to someone who may have experienced, I hope this provides insight, further insight for your loved ones as well. Um, Y'all can follow me on YouTube, Amber Rich Book, A Rich Life, 
Um, I am on Instagram. My Instagram that like was my Instagram was hacked and deleted. And so only my personal Instagram exists, A Rich Book Adventure. And I would honestly encourage y'all to follow me there because my Instagram getting deleted was the best shit that ever happened to me. Um, it's funny that Nadia said podcast because I have not podcasted in years and that is actually how I met Nadia but I might I might come back around the podcasting very soon we'll see um, but yeah Average Book Adventure on Instagram and then you can find everything else I'm Amber Rich Book on Facebook I'm Amber Rich Book everywhere so if you just type in Amber Rich Book I'm, I'm gonna pop up All right. Um, so again, thank y'all so much. And thank you to the teasers for tuning into this episode. Please drop your comments. Um, and you can post them on our Instagram at birds, bees, bees. Um, send us a DM or leave your reviews on your podcast streaming um, episode. If you have questions that you want to follow up with the, um, the panelists on, you can send them to me and I'll shoot them to them and get back with you. All of those wonderful things. So thank y'all so much. Hey teasers, thank you so much for tuning into that episode of your favorite sexuality education and storytelling podcast, Birds, Bees, and Teas. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor, make sure that you follow, like, and subscribe to the podcast so that you can become an official teaser. You know what else makes you an official teaser? Following us on all of our social media platforms at Birds, Bees, Tees, at Birds, Bees, Tees on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. As always, we appreciate you sharing this podcast with your friends, your families, and continuing the conversations that we start here. And if you ever feel inclined to donate to the podcast, Hit us up on Cash App at dollar sign birds bees teas. Thank you, teasers.